Hello and welcome to episode 16 of Encore. I'm your host, Tony Franchetti. Today's episode of the podcast is brought to you by Walton Music. Walton Music is one of the world's leading choral music publishers. With a catalog spanning over six decades and music from across the globe, Walton editions are performed by professional, community, school, and church choirs worldwide. Since joining the GIA family in 2013, the Walton catalog has seen tremendous growth and an even deeper sense of artistry. Walton is proud to represent some of the world's best composers through the publication, promotion, and preservation of their music. Visit www.giamusic.com and click the Walton tab in the top left corner to explore the catalog's vast repertoire. Walton Music, a division of GIA Publications. And now I'm excited to welcome on a very special guest. He's one of the world's most exciting and prominent new composers of choral music, Dr. Michael John Trotta. Michael, I can't thank you enough for taking some time to talk with us today. How are things going with you? Great, Tony. Thanks so much. I really appreciate you asking me on. Looking forward to our time together. And I'm, I'm a big fan of the podcast, so I'm happy to be here. Great. Thank you. Appreciate you saying that. We're extremely glad to have you. So we'll jump right into it here. In May of 2021, GIA and Walton Music began distributing your music, published through the Hampton Roads Music Group. We're obviously incredibly excited that you're now part of the GIA family. It just makes our catalog even more dynamic. One quick question for you is, what were some of the factors that led to your partnership with us here at GIA? Yeah, well, thanks so much for that question. You know, I really appreciate it. One thing that, that um, some of our listeners may or may not know is that uh, my very first published piece ever as a composer was with GIA. It was with GIA some 10 years ago. And it's actually going to be a, a, through, a through story um, because it there was a very specific reason that, that I had sent it to GIA. And, and one of the reasons was it had a traditional chant tune as part of it. And, and, but it was presented you know, in, a, in a way that the tradition was relevant to, to the people listening. So I think that's the whole thing right there, right? GIA as a way of taking tradition and presenting it, we preserve the best, right? And then we build upon the best of the tradition and and, and we present it in a way that's dynamic and alive to people who are in congregations and, and uh, in the concert world, people who are in audiences. And, and I think that, you know, that really is very much, you know, something that always drew me to GIA. You know, that end, you know, I've known Susan Labar for forever through, through Walton. I knew Susan before she was at Walton Music. My last position as a uh, director of choral activities at Virginia Wesleyan University, I actually had Susan come as one of our uh, composers in residence. Oh, okay. um, so, so I've had a relationship with her for, for years. Um, and, you know, and, and Alec and I had, you know, Alec Harris, the, the CEO, he, he, he and I had chatted several times and we had talked about, you know, what some possibilities were. So, I mean, all of that coming together, those are kind of the people, but, but the why really, really is. It, it's tradition presented in a way that, that is relevant and, and meaningful to people who are singing and people who are listening. So I think, I think there's a great marriage there. Yeah, very well put. I like the way you said that. I actually ran into Alec last week at the Midwest Band Clinic, and uh, I mentioned to him that I was going to interview you for the podcast. And 
you know, his eyes just lit up when, you know, when he was talking about you and, and your catalog and he's just, you know, he couldn't be more excited to have you here with us as well. So uh, next question I have for you, just kind of a, guess a, a get to know you better question, you know, for our listeners, just uh, a little bit about your backstory and maybe, you know, how you got to where you are today. Sure. I mean, you know, I grew up, I grew up in the Catholic church. Um, when I was in, uh, you know, when I, when I was in a, a car seat uh, or a bassinet, you know, I was up in the choir loft. My dad was a singer in church. He was cantor. Um, so, you know, I spent many, many an evening as a young child and, and toddler in, in a choir loft, kind of just absorbing all of that. And, um, you know, there was always something fabulous and mysterious and magical about all of it for me. You know, I, I just admired the person sitting at the organ. I admired the choir director. You know, of course, I loved my father, admired what he did. and. Uh, you know, it was almost as if music was just another language, right? It was just it right. was so it was so natural. You know, so I, I always grew up at, as part of the liturgical. Liturgical music is a huge force in my life, and you know, when I decided to go to school for music, you know, it was initially as a performance performance major, and then um, you know, did my schooling as an education and performance major, and at that time had my first church job um, at Our Lady Queen of Peace in, in Pittman, New Jersey, a uh, tiny little parish adjacent to uh, Rowan University, where I did my undergrad. And uh, I mean, it was awesome because I had the opportunity to work as, you know, a, a director of music, as an organist and a choir director, um, while I was learning things, right? So I would learn something in school and I'd have an opportunity to practice it immediately, right, with, with my choir. And it was a wonderful, wonderful opportunity to train. You know, I felt like the, no matter how much preparation I did, I never felt prepared. I felt, you know, I felt how much, no matter what I did, I always thought I could, could do more. Um, and, uh, you know, that was the beginning for me of, on the one side having, you know, a church music director position. And on the other side, being a choral director in another capacity, which, you know, initially, you know, I've taught, uh, I taught elementary school and kind of in order, elementary school, middle school, high school, choral director. I did that for, for five years, had a church job at, at the time, moved eventually to a much bigger uh, 2,500 uh, family parish, which was, was quite a bit bigger. Yeah. Um, had a wonderful, wonderful opportunity to, uh, to work there at uh, Incarnation. And uh, I remember it was part of, uh, it was part of my, my graduate school. I had to present, you know, a final culminating project. And, and we, we had 10 choirs from all around come together, choir of 350, an orchestra of 100. And we did Rudder's Mass of the Children. Uh, we did it as a big benefit. And I, I just remember seeing, you know, the church was packed. I remember uh, they had to bring more chairs in. And I thought, you know, how exciting to be able to bring together all of these wonderful musicians, some, some of whom were, were churchgoers, some of whom were just music lovers. How wonderful mm -hmm. to bring all of these people together for, for this great music in, in this wonderful space. And, you know, and, and really my job was to be a steward of all of these people who had given all of this time and energy. And, and it was a wonderful thing. And, 
you know, eventually left that position to take um, take a university position. Mm-hmm. And I did that for, for about five years. So it was like, you know, I had uh, five years as an educator, five years as a church musician, five years as a university uh, professor, and then had an opportunity to write a, a major work. And, uh, you know, realized that if I continued doing everything that I would not be doing a good job at, at any of it. So decided to leave my university position and, and write full time, which I've been doing. I think this is the sixth year now that I, that I'm a full-time composer and conductor. And, uh, so I don't work for a publisher. I, I just work for the people who hire me to write music for them. And, uh, there's really, you know, no better job that, that you could have. Right. Excellent. And that perfectly transitions us to our, our next question here. I thought it was cool while researching your bio, and you mentioned that, you know, you have experience as an educator at the elementary, middle, high school, and of course, university levels. And I also thought it was cool that your work as a church music director helped shape your writing as well. You know, we, of course, at GIA have a, a very strong connection to the church music industry. I'd say probably, you know, the majority of the listeners of this podcast are church music directors. So in the spirit of that, what do you think are some specific reasons your time as a church music director helped shape your journey? Yeah, I mean, there, there's two kind of categories that I would divide it into. And first, it would be in in terms of content, you know, in terms of content, all of my all of my most popular music, specifically under the GIA uh, distribution, it's all quotes chant, right? It all quotes plain song. So we have the Ubicaritas, which starts off with the chant. We'll hear I think we'll hear a little bit of that later. We have the DSEA, which is kind of this fiery you know, wonderful uh, sequence. And, and again, we hear the chant through that. I'm, I'm just putting the finishing touches on a Tadeum, which is based on the Tadeum chant. So content of being a church music director, I just feel it's very much within me. And, and I've been delighted that it's a wonderful opportunity to kind of reintroduce some of this plain song, but in a choral setting. So, so very much that's kind of, you know, my love of Latin, um, my love of plain song, my love of sacred music, um, my love of acapella music, my love of organ music, all of that kind of comes together and you kind of hard to separate me from that. Um, so that, that's on the one hand. And on the other hand, we have this concept of how do we write music for the people in front of us? You know, one... Yeah. On the one hand, it's kind of music as artistry. and the other hand, it's music as ministry. Um, how do we write something that, that serves the people in front of us? And, you know, I, I remember saying, you know, oh, gosh, I need a, a certain, uh, you know, according to the liturgical year, I need a certain anthem or, you know, I need a certain piece of service music um, and not being able to find it. And then just saying, all right, well, I'll write it. You know, that's I really see composition as a response to the people in front of me. And uh, my last full-time church position um, was at St. Albans Church in Baton Rouge, Louisiana. Incidentally, it's where my wife and I met for our first date, got engaged and married all in the same place. Wow, that's um, very cool. 
Yeah, and, and it was a wonderful, wonderful experience because uh, it it was I, I had eight I had eight uh, vocal scholars and the music faculty. Some of the music faculty from the School of Music sang there, so I had this incredible choir yeah. who sing so much, and I could write a piece on a Tuesday. They would try it on a Wednesday. I would make changes, and we could sing it on Sunday. And, uh, you know, what a wonderful, wonderful experience of being able to literally write with the, the group I have in front of me and for them. And now when I have the opportunity to write commissioned works for choirs, that's what I'm thinking of. I'm, I'm thinking, how do I write for the group right in front of me? How do I kind of play to their strengths and, and make them sound wonderful? Absolutely. That's the kind of the, the great struggle we have, right? We have to basically seek out the needs in the church and then try our best to, you know, fill those needs, you know, the best we can with our music. So absolutely. That's great. So you kind of touched on this question a little bit when uh, you mentioned you were kind of in the choir loft in the bassinet with your dad, watching your dad sing. But uh, did you have any, you know, musical heroes, idols, uh, musical idols, you know, maybe besides your dad growing up? Oh, I mean, every, anyone who sat down at a keyboard instrument was my hero, you know, <laughs> Because because I didn't understand, right? I told you, I thought it was mysterious and magical. And it, it wasn't really until I got into high school. I remember my high school choir director, Lauren Donnelly, my high school music theory teacher. Um, these are the men who were influential in my life that they really helped me learn that, that music is, yes, it's in service of something. Yes, it's in service of a mission. Yes. Um, it's imbued with all of this meaning, but first and foremost, it's a skill that can be learned, right? I kind of thought that God, you know, sprinkled the artistic, you know, fairy dust on people when they came out and you either had it or you didn't have it, right? right. And I, I considered myself as not having it. And, and these men, they took me and they, they showed me first and foremost by example that it's a skill that can be learned and it's a practice that can be improved upon. And, and, and they very much, uh, both of those men, I'm actually, uh, my choir director passed several years ago um, and I'm looking, I, there's a picture of him just over to the side of me right now. I, I, he's, he's still very much my, my inspiration. And uh, I, I still actually consult with my high school theory teacher. He was a percussion expert. So now when I write major works for, for full orchestra, I will have him look over my, I still have him look over my percussion parts because I want to make sure that I'm doing right by every, you know, by everybody, right? So, um, so yeah, those two men were really, really significant in my life. Um, and that's to say nothing of, Handel and Bach and these kind of titans, you know, who, who I just, I just admired their work, Vivaldi for sure. Um, mm -hmm. You know, talk about someone who is writing for the people in front of him. So th there's so, there's so many, you know, we don't have time to list them all, but, right. but for, in terms of people that, that I knew, um, and I'll say this, my father actually died when I was seven. He was, uh, he was killed in a car accident and, and very much there was that big void in my life. Um, and and I, I found these wonderful, wonderful, uh, you know, men um, who, who very much were, were a stable, strong, you know, secure male figure role model to look up to. And, and I kind of just latched on to that. 
you know, and, and, uh, you know, I, and I learned a lot. I learned a lot. I was also in the band growing up. I played mm-hmm. trumpet, French horn, oh, okay, uh, which yeah. was, you know, and, and I had four years of Latin in, in, in high school. So it's like all of this stuff kind of came together, you know, so, so it really, um, you can see those of you just listening, you don't see there's a violin. I came to string instruments very late in life. I had taken methods classes, but uh, you know, once I started writing works for choir and orchestra, you know, I needed to be able to have it in my hands. If I can't feel what it's like, you know, it, it, again, it's about that responsibility. You know, I have a responsibility not only to those listening, not only to those singing, but those playing as well, that to try to do my best to put myself in their shoes and say, what would this feel like? So, yeah, there's so, so, so many, so many people. Um, and, and, and even since that time, you know, my musical heroes now are, are, you know, everyone who currently has the jobs that I used to have, right? The elementary (laughs) teachers and the church music directors. I mean, those are my heroes now because in some ways I get to kind of be like the fun uncle, right? Right. I get to come in as a clinician or a guest conductor and everybody else has kind of uh, already done some of the nitty gritty work and I get to come in at the end, which is fun. But, uh, you know, my heroes now are the people doing it day in, day out. virtually or in person or hybrid or with masks or without masks. I mean, those people are my heroes now because because they're making what I do possible. And I'm grateful for that. Yeah, I, I really like the way you said that. It's a question I always like to ask composers. You know, a lot of times you get the the kind of the obvious ones, I guess, like, you know, you mentioned Handel and Bach, but it's um, it's just it's very interesting to see, you know, different composers and seeing their different kind of uh, heroes they had growing up, different people that helped uh, shape their writing. And I just think that last thing that you said there is is a very noble uh, thing. The people that you're writing for are your heroes now. And, and I think that's that's very well said for sure. Uh, they would be, you know, all the teachers hearing that I'm sure puts a, you know, a smile on their face. It kind of just gives them that uh, verification of, Hey, this is, I'm, I'm doing, you know, what I'm doing here is really important work. Well, all right. Great. We'll, uh, we'll move to the next question here. I, um, so if one were discovering your music for the very first time, what are some of the works that you would steer a uh, music director towards? Sure. And, you know, you said, I, I think the ad at the beginning, when you were discussing Walton, you were, do, right. do, you, do you still have that language nearby? I do. Yes. All I right. do. So tell me what you said about that their works are performed in, can you read that again? Yeah. So let's see. Well, with a catalog spanning over six decades and music from across the globe, Walton editions are performed by professional community school and church choirs worldwide. So there, there it is. And that's something that's really special, I think, about the Walton catalog. And it's something that, of course, in, in, in my, my catalog and, uh, that, that I really aspire to, which is music that kind of lives in a place that it can serve, um, you know, as many, as many needs as, as possible, right? Um, so for me, you know, I, I want, I'll talk just a little bit about two of the pieces I mentioned so far, the Ubi Caritas, uh, which I wrote for, um, you know, I remember, I, I, I remember somebody, the, the director of La Madeleine, which uh, in, uh, in Paris, that's where Foray, you know, you, Foray was there for a bit. And 
I remember he emailed me and said, I love your music, but it's too hard. I only have four singers every week. So I think your music when on feast days, your music all divides. He said, when are you going to write something in just four parts? Mm-hmm. And uh, I remember being humbled by that and uh, thinking about, you know, gosh, it was convicting because it's like, yeah, you know, here's somebody who has a wonderful opportunity uh, to reach so many people. And, and he's saying, gosh, Michael, your music's just too hard. And, and, and it, it, it caused me to think, does it need to be that hard? So I had an opportunity to write an Ubi Caritas. And I said, okay, I'm going to, first of all, include the chant tune. And secondly, I'm going to make sure that it never goes beyond four parts. So if a quartet wanted to do it, great. If eight people wanted to do it, if a large group, it works with a large group as well. But there's something about it. Um, you'll hear the chant tune um, could either be done by a solo voice or a solo instrument. And then the simple four part setting um, is very much in the 21st century. While we have this, uh, you know, this wonderful chant, which is very much in, in you know, the eighth or ninth century. And the kind of two of those together make make it really, really work. So it's a nice way to introduce a group to chant or introduce, you know, it's kind of like you're giving giving everyone their chant, but they don't know necessarily that they're getting it. So on the slower side, I would recommend Ubicaritas. For something a little bit more up-tempo, something a little bit more rhythmically exciting, uh, Dies Jude, uh, which is again, also for unaccompanied choir, that, I mean, that's just a real, it's a sequence, right? It's a sequence from the Requiem, which, which you know, we don't use anymore. But, uh, you know, it's just, it's all about the day of wrath that's coming. And um, most of them are set for b- big orchestral versions. It's from, uh, it's from a Requiem that I haven't actually finished writing yet. I'm in the middle of writing it. It's an acapella movement and it was so popular. We kind of released it before the whole Requiem uh, was done. So yeah, I would I would say that's those are two really nice uh, contrasting works for four part choir, and but there's also some other. Do we have time? Should I go through maybe a couple of others? Oh, or? Please, please. So you know, there's there's a couple of others that I would say are more on the emerging uh, emerging church choir side. Mm-hmm. I have uh, uh, a Psalm twenty three. And a light shines in the darkness. They're both from from uh, from a larger work. They're kind of excerpted movements. And I don't know. Let's say you had a, a much smaller group, um, you know, but you still wanted them to do music that that felt very uh, kind of traditional and kind of a full choir. That those those might be a place to start, you know. And then very much there's an educational component um, and and. I think we talked about this kind of a ministry component, um, you know, that there's works, you know, like my Ubi Caritas, it, I've had requests to have it for SAB choir, for three-part mixed choir, for unison choir, and, and I wrote a piano accompaniment to go with it. So there, there's quite a few Ubi Caritas being one that, that are in just tons of voicings because People said, gosh, we love the idea of it. We love the idea of introducing the chant. We don't quite have the forces. Is there a way that we can, you know, we can kind of get this to work? And uh, so, so there's, there's quite a few 
quite a few pieces that when it's appropriate, I'll, I'll you know, make as many arrangements as are, you know, that people ask for. Right. Awesome. Awesome. Well, thank you for taking, uh, take walking us through a couple of your works there. And of course, all your music is available www.giamusic.com slash Trotta. That's T-R-O-T-T-A, www.giamusic.com slash Trotta. Okay, excellent. We'll slide in uh, one casual kind of question here. So when you're not writing and when you're not working, um, what are some ways you like to spend the little free time that you have? Yeah, I mean, so we were talking earlier before we started the recording. One of the things we have in common is that we're both new dads. Right. Um, I, we had our first child, Gabriella Lucia, um, 15 Ooh, I like months that. ago. Yeah. So, you know, what uh, What you don't see here, I'm actually, you know, uh, we're actually, I'm in my studio right now. And right before we started recording, it's the holidays. Um, so I knocked one of those glass candles off the uh the ledge yeah so it hit the ground and now of course because i have a 15 month running around the oh, first yeah. thing i'm going to be doing when we're done is cleaning up all of the glass so she does because she explores everything by eating it um <laughs> so i love to spend time with my family and we're all very outdoor we love to be outdoors it's uh it's about 32 degrees here today and uh, Gabrielle and I spent the morning outside on the lawn, raking leaves, jumping in piles, and <laughs> you know, doing that stuff. Uh, I'm also fortunate that we live about just a few miles from the ocean, so uh, when the weather's nicer, uh, you know, I'll spend tons of time doing that. And I'm also an avid. Uh, I'm an avid exerciser. I'm a. I'm a like a seven day a week, you know, weights and cardio and all that stuff. So, so that, that's the stuff that, uh, that, I, that I love to do. And, and my wife and I were pretty, pretty decent amateur uh, cooks. Oh. We, uh, we love to bake and, and whatnot anytime we get a chance. But as you said, all of that time, is, it's, all too, uh, it's all too short. It goes so right. quick. And what, what a nice problem to have that, that, that you know, I'm, I'm the luckiest guy in the world to have uh, a wife like I do, uh, my wife, Rachel, and, and uh, my daughter, Gabriella. I mean, yeah, I'm always a little sad when our, our time together, you know, when I kind of have to switch modes, but, but it's great that I, I have a career and, and uh, you know, I have a, a calling, really a vocation that, that I love so much. So it's, yeah, it's a great, it's a great place to be. Yeah, absolutely. All right. Well, hey, this has been awesome, Michael. Just uh, one more question for you, and we'll kind of wrap up here. Again, I can't thank you enough for taking the time. And I want to make sure our listeners, again, have uh, know where to find your music. Again, you could find that on our website at www.giamusic.com slash Trotta. And also, go ahead and check out Michael's website as well. It's www.mjtrotta.com. A really nice website, a lot of good stuff there. So go ahead and check that out. So the next question I have for you, the last question I have, we'll end on here. And, I, and apologies in advance is it's kind of a, a broad question, but what's next for Michael Trotta? Yeah. So, I mean, this is a, it's a wonderful time where, where we're coming out of, of uh, a very challenging uh, time in the industry where people have had so many questions 
Um, and, and for me, you know, I, I'm going to keep writing music. Um, I think I mentioned I have, uh, you know, I have a 35 minute requiem to finish this coming year. That will be in 2022. Mm-hmm. Um, and at the beginning, uh, before, before the pandemic, I was three year waiting list for writing music. Um, wow. And the good news is, thanks to the pandemic, I'm all caught up. So, so now, you know, now, now I'm able, I've started being able to accept commissions again, which is wonderful. Mm-hmm. And, and usually that's what I do is I'll be working on one really big project. Um, and while I'm working on one really big project, I have an opportunity to do some, you know, really these three, three minute ish um, pieces for, for, you know, choirs that, that are of, average ability those are the most important uh it's the most important writing that i can do because it really is the most there's the biggest need um in that area so i will write you know as many of them as i can fit into my schedule and i'm, I'm happy to be going out on the road again i know um you know i'm not sure when this is going to go uh live but but for people who are going into convention seasons i'll be attending you know, four or five conventions and guest conducting will start up again. So it's a wonderful, wonderful opportunity uh, to, to, you know, to be of service in, in, and to really kind of, uh, you know, I, I have a very, very wonderful, uh, very wonderful job and vocation, but I play a very small part in, in the whole kind of cycle, you know, from, from people who commission music to, people who rehearse the music, to perform the music, to have the concert spaces. There's so much that I'm dependent upon. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm just happy to, to do my little part here. And uh, so excited for partnerships with and Walt. It'd be a great opportunity to, uh, to be able to connect with people who, who are looking for music that, you know, kind of as we started off earlier, it's, it's music that builds on a grand tradition but in a way that that's, you know, really relevant and, uh, you know, has great meaning for people who are doing the singing and the listening. So thanks so much for this time together, Tony. I really appreciate it. Of course. No, thank you, Michael. Uh, thank you for, again for the time. Um, we're ex- extremely excited to have you, you know, uh, on the GIA family here and looking forward to uh, a lot of getting uh, getting this podcast episode out there and you know a lot of our listeners uh, discovering your great music as well all right thanks so much tony okay we hope you enjoyed that interview with dr michael john trotto i'm going to play a few clips of the pieces that he highlighted in our interview the first clip is product number hrmg 2138 ubi Caritas.
The second clip is product number HRMG2042, Dies Irae. This third clip is product number HRMG 1835.4, A Light Shines in the Darkness. And this fourth and final clip is product number HRMG 1738, The Lord is My Shepherd. Thank you for tuning into episode 16 of Encore. We'll be back in a few weeks with a new episode. As always, stay tuned to GIA social media channels 
and soundboard.giamusic.com for updates on our next episode. Until next time, take care, everyone. Mm-hmm.